We're in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 7. Uh, we'll begin in just a moment with verse 10. Uh, this, I titled this to marry or not to marry. The first seven verses, the entire chapter deals with marriage. Remember, these are questions uh, the Corinthians had asked Paul. And now Paul is responding uh, to those questions. Uh, divine guidelines uh, for marriage. First one was, I suppose, should a Christian marry? Is it wise to marry? And the answer is, due to the present situation, maybe not. The second part is divine guidelines for marriage. Uh, this is we studied this, but we'll just catch up, keep the context together. I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am, that is, unmarried. Uh, those uh, perhaps who have never been married or uh, have been widowed, maybe you need to stay as you are. But if you cannot exercise self-control, uh, let them marry. It is better to marry than to burn with passion. If their uh, passions are getting the better of them, the temptation is getting too strong, uh, then perhaps they want to marry so that they won't be in sin. Now to the married I command, yet not I, um, but the Lord. This, is, uh, this causes uh, some confusion, and uh, some things are said about this, these statements of Paul that uh, are incorrect, okay? The idea that some have is that uh, what Paul speaks of the Lord is binding, and what Paul speaks of himself is not binding. That's not true, okay? That's not what he's saying here. Uh, we want to understand uh, the gist of the context because it's very important, dealing with a very important matter. To the married, uh, those who are married, I command, uh, yet not I, but Jesus. The meaning is that during his uh, ministry, Jesus dealt with this particular issue uh, about uh, separating. Okay, When Jesus taught about marriage in Matthew 19, 9, Matthew 5, 32, he taught about it, uh, the permanency of it. When you get married, you stay married, okay? That's the general rule. Uh, there's not supposed to be divorce. Uh, marriage is supposed to be a permanent thing. And too many times, you know as well as I do, it's not treated that way. A lot of people get married anticipating a divorce uh, in the future. It's not supposed to be that way. That's what the Lord Jesus taught. Um, well, I got here during his public ministry, the Lord spoke of this matter. Uh, I'm Paul saying, I'm repeating what the Lord taught, the general rule when it comes to married, getting married. A wife is not to depart from her husband. <coughs> uh, that's uh, the permanency uh, of God's law. Now today, uh, most people, they don't pay attention to the divine law. Even in the church, it's, it doesn't matter anymore, you know, People have been married and remarried. It just doesn't matter. Um, churches will take you in because uh, that's the Jesus thing to do, they'll say. But <clears throat> when you look at the law, which is the only thing that matters in the end, uh, is what the law states uh, because that will determine whether or not we can go to heaven. Uh, when you look at the law, uh, it's really quite different from all of that. 
And he gets, he gets pretty specific to it. In verse 12, he'll say now, but to the rest, I, not the Lord, say. Now, this is why people get a little bit confused, don't understand the Jewish mentality. Uh, Paul says in verse 10, uh, this is, for me, this is from the Lord. Now, in verse 12, he said, this isn't from the Lord, this is from me. Okay? During his public ministry, he means Jesus touched on this matter. Now, in verse 12, he'll say, but to the rest, it is I, not the Lord. What does he mean? During his public ministry, the Lord did not touch on this matter. He didn't talk about things I'm talking about. Remember, he's, asking, he's answering questions. Should a man or a woman depart from the husband? The answer is no. And then the woman says, well, what if my husband beats me every day? Do I have to put up with that? That's a legitimate question. If you go by the general rule only, the answer to that would be yes. Really? Does the Lord expect a woman to put up with that, getting beat every day? Is that what she has to do? Well, Paul's going to touch with those kinds of questions. Uh, the Lord didn't speak of this, but I, as his representative, I am going to touch on these very matters, okay? That's all he's saying when he uses this terminology. The Lord, during his public ministry, spoke on the subject. During his public ministry on another subject, he did not speak. But since I am his representative, I'll tell you what he would want you to know. So it's the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, whatever it is we hear from this man. Uh, and this is where it gets mixed up. Debates go on all the time, uh, preachers debating this thing. Uh, I think it's a, it's a waste of time. All it is is people trying to justify adultery. That's all it is. Uh, they want to, um, adulterers, they want the, the head count, they want the money. Uh, but as far as the truth goes, it just doesn't matter. Well, it does matter to God, and it better matter to us uh, if we're going to have his approval. But she's not to depart. But if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And the same thing goes to the husband. He's not to divorce his wife. Uh this comes to the situations where the wife or the husband can no longer tolerate their spouse. They can't live with them. It's just beyond the scope of possibilities. Therefore, in those cases, he doesn't say if she departs, she's no longer a Christian. He said if she does depart, let her remain unmarried. She can't marry. Why? Because she's married to her husband. Yes, but she left him. She divorced him. Yeah, but she's still married to her husband. Remember, always remember God is involved in our lives. When her and her husband got married, it was God that joined the man and the woman together. And they are not separated until God says they are separated. Until the Lord unlocks that covenant and makes it end, it's going to be binding, except, of course, in the case of death. So a woman's living with a man, and he beats her, for example. Does she have to put up with it? The answer is no, she does not. But if she leaves that man, she's going to have to remain unmarried. 
And the only other option to it is she can return to her husband, if that be the case. Uh, that's the divine law. When somebody says, I don't like it, I can understand why people don't like it. But that doesn't change it. It's still the law. And as long as it's the law, it's the way God is going to judge us in the last day. We can disregard it if we choose to. It's, it's up to us to do. But in the end, the Lord will hold us accountable for having violated his law regarding marriage. Nobody has to tell me how hard it is. I've dealt with this subject with people ever since I started this. And it's, it's not fun. It's not easy. It's excruciatingly painful. And uh, I'm, I'm very much aware of it. I've shed uh, a lot of tears with people over the years because their situation was so painfully difficult. And I know it is. I can't imagine being in the shoes of some folks. But that doesn't change the law. I can't change it. You can't change it. The law is what it is, and it forever shall be. Our responsibility is to understand this law and then teach people the law as they desire to be taught. Uh, is there any questions? I know, I know it's troubling because it, every family is affected by this thing. And I know it's troubling, but I want you to keep one thing in mind. It's not because the Lord has changed. This law has been there for 2,000 years. It's not because the law has changed. It's because it's been ignored. That's all. That's all that's happened. And when you try to make converts, we find out there's a whole lot of people we're not going to be able to convert because their predicaments are, they believe, more difficult than they can bear. Well, I know that even when you tell them what they have to do to make it justified, they don't want to leave the second family because of the situation. Yeah, I understand that too. And you just have to make that choice. Your choice is what you're going to do about it. That's a choice. Yeah, that's, you got to live with your choices. Uh, it's up to us, really. Uh, actually, that's what I'm preaching next there. Uh, it's a choice. But uh, it's up for us to, to choose what's most important to us. We have the law, and it's there for us to interpret, um, and interpret, of course, correctly. That's the only way you can interpret something, is to be correct. Otherwise, you misinterpret it. But uh, it's important for us to understand. Now that I understand, I know what God has said. Uh, I can, uh, I can do uh, what I believe I need to do. Uh, I had a man one time back there at the door. I thought he's gonna knock me out back there. He was, he was so angry, and he was pretty big. And uh, I can't, you know. I can't fight back in here. Everybody's watching, right? <laughs> but uh, I knew he was going to break my jaw. <laughs> but uh, 
but uh, thankfully he didn't. He was, uh, he was very angry. He told me I sent him to hell. I said, I don't send you anywhere. I said, I'm not capable of doing that. I'm not God. Uh, that's between you and God. It's got nothing to do with me. I'm trying to help you understand uh, what the Bible teaches. Uh, and I think the reason he got angry was he knew he was wrong. He had been a deacon at uh, a church over uh, at the Richmond's Chapel uh, for a long time until he decided to marry this woman. And uh, they came out here, apparently got the wrong answer over yonder. No, they didn't. They got the right answer. Uh, they got the right. The preacher told him it was okay. And uh, the woman, she wasn't so sure. So she wanted to come out here and talk to me. She didn't go here, but... Uh, she went to free will, I think. But uh, they come out here and talk to me, and uh, he got so angry. And then after it was over, I got to studying about it, and I thought, well, the reason he was angry because he knew that was the truth. It's what he had been taught all his life, I suppose. And uh, the preacher at Richmond Chapel uh, made it possible for him to marry, and he did. Uh, and he did. Anyway, uh, all we can do is interpret and. I don't want to lie to anybody. Uh, I try not to, uh, but I do try to empathize with people's situations. A lot of times it's more comp complicated than it looks, a lot more complicated. Nowadays, you know, used to, if somebody had been married three times, we'd, we'd say, you know, there's a person that uh, can't be married anymore. You know, the world we live in today, that's not true anymore. People can be divorced three times. There's, that's not a problem. That can happen in, within a five-year span. People have an entirely different outlook on, on marriage today. And there's a lot of people who have no scruples when it comes to separation. Uh, they'll leave for the slightest reasons. Uh, so there can be an innocent party. You have to talk to people and find out what's going on. Uh, every situation is, is unique. It's, uh, it's very difficult. <clears throat> I'm thankful that BR is so crazy over me she won't leave. I got lucky. Huh? Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's a most important matter because, uh, it's, you know, you're... A lot of people, they're 16, 17, 18 years old, and they don't know much. Uh, and making uh, one of the biggest decisions of their life. Uh, the ideal, when you get married, you stay married. 50-year anniversaries should be commonplace, not the exception to the rule. But uh, that's not the case any longer. They don't know. That's right. You're right. You're exactly right. There's a whole lot of people in that boat. Uh, no one's ever taught them. They've never been in a place to hear. And uh, they don't understand such a rule. It seems foreign. Well, I never understood it. I didn't know there was actually a rule. Uh, the only reason I knew you don't get divorced is because my mama. She wasn't a Christian, but she, from the time I can remember, you get married, you're married, you're married, you're married. All the time she touted that to us. And uh, I knew that when I got married. I didn't know it because Jesus taught it. I knew it because Mama taught it. 
she burned it in my brain cells. And uh, I never forgot that. And then, of course, I learned what the Lord taught on the matter. But uh, it's, a mo it's a most important situation. It's hard, so hard. But to the rest, I, not the Lord. Again, during the public ministry, the Lord did not speak of these specific matters. They asked him a series of questions. But I, as his spokesman, will answer the questions, okay? To the rest of the questions you asked, I will address it. The Lord did not. If any brother has a wife who does not believe and she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. Two pagans live together. They're married. One of them uh, becomes a Christian. And the Christian asked the preacher, what should I do now that I'm a Christian? Am I obligated to leave my pagan husband? That would be your question. I think this is what Paul's responding to. Does the Christian now have to leave the pagan? This would be predominantly a marriage that took place uh, after conversion, uh, not a marriage, but uh, a conversion took place after the two people were married. Well, if the brother or wife does not believe and she is willing, she d he doesn't try to force her to quit going and worshiping with the saints. He doesn't try to force her to go to his pagan festivities. If he's willing to let her live her life as a child of God, well, don't divorce her. Everything's fine. There's not a problem if that's the case. It's not the ideal situation, but it's not it's not a deal breaker either. You haven't come to a point where your marriage is going to be dissolved. A woman, the same thing applies to the woman. If she has a husband who does not believe, if he is willing, he doesn't try to get her to abandon Christ. If he is willing to live with her, her a Christian, let her not divorce him. It goes both ways. Can a pagan be married to a Christian? Yes. Does the Christian have to leave the pagan? No. I could see where that would be a question that someone would ask. Uh, you know, a pagan and a Christian together, that's two diametrically opposed ideologies. How is it possible they could live together? More than likely, the pagan husband, if he was devoted to his gods, he would not put up with a Christian wife. He would expel her from his house. But uh, if he's not going to, if he is willing to live with her, he's probably not very devout anyway, okay? But she is not to leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife. This is, a, again, a, pro a problem with many religious, Protestant religious groups. Uh, the unbelieving husband, he's not a Christian. Let's say he's a pagan. Let's just say he's a non-believer, okay? We don't have to be a pagan. Uh, the unbelieving husband is sanctified by his wife. The word sanctified has different meanings depending on the context you find it in. The unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. The word sanctified can mean purified, pardoned, made holy. Now some preachers teach that the unbelieving husband is made holy by his association with his wife. That's not what Paul's saying. That's not what Paul is saying is all. There's only one way to be made holy, and that is by being forgiven of God. Uh, 
This the husband has not done. He may live with a Christian woman, but he hasn't been pardoned of his sins. He's still living in sin. So these meanings do not apply to this particular situation. The word sanctified uh, can mean saved. In many texts, it does. But it can also mean separated. The word sanctified means separated in a great many places in the Bible. Uh, it means separated or to be set apart. The uh, items in the temple, for example, uh, you take the golden candelabra. It wasn't a, a holy thing in and of itself, but it was sanctified to be used in the tabernacle service. This candelabra, one of many candelabras in Israel, this candelabra was taken and it was used in the holy place for worship to God. It was sanctified. It was separated from any other kind of service to be used in service to God. Uh, carts that were built and used uh, by the priests of the temple, when those carts served their purpose, they were destroyed because they couldn't be used uh, for any other purpose. We eat the Lord's Supper. We used to, you know, when we had the Lord's Supper laying in the tray. We got done, uh, there was usually some uh, pieces of it left. We discarded of those pieces of bread. Why? Because they had been sanctified. They had been prayed over. They had been separated in service to God. Therefore, when we got done using the element, we destroyed it instead of consuming it. Okay? It was set apart for God's service. And this is the same thing that can happen to a person in a marriage situation. The unbelieving husband can be set apart. He can be sanctified by the believing wife or vice versa is what Paul's saying. It's better not to divorce as long as the husband or wife is willing to live with you. Why? They'll be, they can be sanctified by you. Exactly what is the apostle talking about? Okay, the woman has become a Christian. She has faith in God. The husband is in the kingdom of Satan because of his unbelief. They're married, they're one, but they're two because they're separated in their devotion and in uh, their uh, hope of the future. However, because they live together, the husband is said to be sanctified. That is, he comes under the influence of this holy woman of God that he lives with, okay? Uh, he doesn't go to church. He doesn't listen to preachers, but he sees his wife. He hears his wife. He watches the way his wife lives. And because he does, he can be affected by that, even to the point where she might win him to Christ. Even though he never heard a preacher preach, it doesn't take a preacher, it takes a good wife. She may be able to convert her husband. So here's what Paul's saying. Uh, 
a Christian finds himself married to a pagan, should she leave? As long as he's willing, he lets her live her life as a Christian, everything's good. No. Why? Because how do you know, O oh wife, that you might be the one that can save your husband? And this is what Paul's talking about. There is a potential benefit in her remaining with him as long as it's possible. Because he might, I'd say a lot of men have been, I was affected by my wife. I'd say a whole lot of men were affected by their wife or vice versa. I think most of it though was man being affected by his wife. Uh, had it not been for my BR, I don't, I had no plans of going to church. Uh, I wanted her so bad, uh, I followed her to church. And uh started listening and got curious, started uh, actually learning something, and uh, in time I became a Christian. Uh, and this is what Paul's talking about. No telling how many husbands have been sanctified by their wives. Uh, thank God for godly wives. He's not a Christian, though. He's sanctified. He's under the, the influence of his wife. That does not make him saved. He has not come into contact with the blood of Christ. And until one comes into contact with the blood of Christ, they cannot be saved. So that's Paul's answer to this question. Uh, this one ain't so difficult, I don't think. Proverbs 28.13 says, He who covers his sins will not prosper. Living under the guise of being made holy by one's wife isn't wise because it isn't true. Uh, some people do, but it just is not true. Um, I think some people do it uh, because of their daddy. Some people do it because of their deceased husband or wife. They feel somehow like they're righteous because of the connections to other peoples. But that's not the case. And this is what Solomon is saying. He who covers his sins, instead of having them forgiven, just covers them over with an idea, this person will not prosper. There's no profit to it. On the other hand, whoever confesses and forsakes his sins, this person will find mercy. John said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confess our sins if we're willing to repent and turn to God. Uh, he is faithful to forgive us and he will cleanse us. Just because the husband lives with a godly woman is not going to make him godly. Not at all, uh, not at all. Uh, but there are people, I don't think they say it, I, well, matter of fact, I know they don't, but I, I think they believe that because uh, of uh, all the stock they put in their righteous husband or, or righteous father or mother, uh, but it doesn't work that way. Uh, the unpardonable sin, uh, well, I probably shouldn't have put that on there. Uh, the unpardonable sin is a sin that a person will not confess, First John five sixteen. Some people say it's uh, 
Well, unpardonable. <laughs> That's not what John means by that. Uh, what's unpardonable is the fact that a person will not repent. Look at what he said in 1 John 1 and 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us, to cleanse us from how much unrighteousness? All unrighteousness. There is no unpardonable sin other than the fact that we refuse to confess Christ. That's the only unpardonable sin. And that will come into play in the day of judgment. A person will say, I did good all my life. Uh, a woman told me this one time about her husband. I knew it was true because he was my first cousin. Uh, he was a good fella. Uh, I think he was honest. I didn't know any no, nothing different. I knew him fairly well. Uh, he was a good moral man. He'd help his neighbor. Uh, I loved him very much. And his wife did too. And she told me all the qualities about him that I already knew were true. But he hadn't been in contact with the blood of Christ. I knew that. I didn't go into a discussion with her about it. I didn't want to. I didn't feel like it. And she wasn't looking for it. She hung on to the hope that he would be saved because he was a good man. I hung on to the truth because I know it's true. Without contacting the blood of Christ, there is no forgiveness. It, it just can't be. <clears throat> it doesn't matter what we want. All that matters is what's true. The unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children will be unclean, but now they are holy. If the spouse, the believing spouse, left the unbeliever, the children would remain with the unbeliever, according to uh, Roman law. And I believe what Paul is saying is if you were to leave because your husband is a pagan, then you would have to at least leave your children with him some of the time, more than likely all of the time. And if that be the case, they come under his unholy influence without you there to rebut whatever he may have said or done. But because you stay with the husband, your children are made holy in the sense that they come under the sphere of mother or father's influence. Because you're there, you're, you're in the midst of their lives, they are also going to be affected by the things you say and do. Uh, your commitment to Christ is, is something that would show through. Uh, Children, of course, they learn a whole lot from us. The question is, what do they learn? They're smart. Kids are smart. They're smarter than we give them credit for. But they know if we're hypocritical about our religious belief. They know if we're going through the motions. They know. 
I heard about a kid one time. They were on the way home from church, and Mama said, "Boy, we had good preaching today." No, it wasn't. She said, "Boy, we had sorry preaching today." And the husband said, "Well, what do you think about that singing? Have you ever heard anything worse than that?" And the kid popped up in the back, and he said, well, "I thought it was a pretty good show for a quarter." Kids, no. They're not going to say that. They're not going to say, Mama, you're a hypocrite. Daddy, you're a hypocrite. They don't even want to believe it. The problem is they know it because they've watched. They've seen. They observed. And they know. We can be a, an influence for good or we can be an influence for bad. It's kind of like leaven. We can have a good leavening influence, or we may have a bad leavening influence. What kind of a taste do we leave in the mouths of our children? Something to think about, really. Uh, it's a whole lot of responsibility, I know that much. <clears throat> if the unbeliever departs, let him not depart. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases. God has called us to peace. This one is a big problem. This has divided churches of Christ over the last 15, 20 years, uh, at least. Um, if you separate uh, from your unbelieving spouse, uh, you're not under bondage. In other words, they interpret that to be uh, the, bind, the bind that existed between your and your, you and your spouse no longer exists. What God hath joined together is no longer joined together. They teach that. Uh, several uh, preachers in churches of Christ do teach that. Uh, some of them are very popular men, have a lot of influence, teaching a lot of the schools, preaching schools, uh, that it's okay, and it's based on what Paul says here in verse 15 of chapter 7. Uh, not under, I got a book at home, it's titled, Not Under Bondage. Uh, and that's all it's about, is 1 Corinthians 7.15, that a person is no longer bound to their marriage vows. They are free to do as they please. That's not what Paul is saying. If, uh, if the unbeliever will not live with the believer, they won't have you. You got to go, okay? That's a, that's a given. You got to go. You are not under bondage in such cases. You are not bound to try to maintain your marriage. God hasn't called you to do that. God has called you to a peaceful existence. And if your husband or wife doesn't want you anymore and they put you out of their house or they leave the house, you are not under bondage to try to keep that family together because they made a decision. Yours is to be, <clears throat> as God's, a life of peace. So there are times when a husband or wife 
may be divorced and they've done nothing wrong. It's not their fault. But they have to remain unmarried. Because even though the Lord doesn't expect them to live in dire circumstances in this world, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Only God can separate. And he's given two reasons why he will separate a married couple. One, Matthew 19, 9, is because of fornication, spiritual immorality, if you will, not adultery, fornication. We've talked about that. Big difference between fornication and adultery. Jesus did not say adultery. He said fornication is the reason, which can be a number of things other than adultery. And the second reason that the marriage is dissolved is, of course, because of death. When your spouse dies, you are no longer <clears throat> bound to the covenant you made with God. You are now free to do as you choose. Paul said at this particular time in history, I think it's wise to remain unmarried. But if you can't contain it's better to marry than to burn with passion. Any questions? When I, when I work with people in private, they always, well, what if, what if, and what if? There are really no what ifs. Any what ifs that I might have is nothing more than my opinion. They're not valid. They may not hold up in court. Uh, what we need to do is uh, understand what the Lord has said and then we, we make our decision as to what we're going to do. Nobody's better qualified to make my decision than me and the same is true for you. <clears throat> Verse 12, he said, But to the rest I, not the Lord, say, if any brother has a wife who does not believe, and she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. Now, if you look at the first part of verse 15, it reads just a bit different. If the unbeliever departs, let him depart. Verse 12, Paul said it a little bit differently. So let me insert what Paul said in verse 12 into verse 15a. <clears throat> if she is willing to live with him. So that implies what Paul is saying in the first part of verse 15. If she is willing to live with him, she is to stay with him, that would imply what Paul's talking about in verse 15. If the unbeliever is unwilling to live with him and departs, let him depart. A brother or sister uh, is not under bondage in such case, but rather God has called us to peace. Did you ring the second bell yet? You have to speak. I can't hear. Two minutes. Two minutes? Okay. For how do you know, O wife, this is what we talked about a moment ago, whether you will save your husband? How do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? You don't know what will happen in your marriage. 
just because you find yourself married to an unbeliever, that doesn't give you a right to up and leave him. If he's willing to live with you, stay with him, because you may just be the person that can save that individual. And God loves all people. Okay, that finished uh, that section. Why don't we wait and uh, look at verses 17 through 24 uh, next week, God willing. I think I want to rest a minute.